The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome to this powerful full moon day. It is amazing the energy that is surging around us and it is beautiful and celebratory and the kind of energy that means you can birth something entirely different, that you can really walk into something very powerful and very unique and very much all of you. This new moon, this full moon that is around us and into the next few weeks actually signifies two types of energies. One of those energies is your human self, the more practical, uh, the side of you that believes in form, in function, in structure, that needs boundaries and limitations. And it is meeting up with the side of you that is open and nebulous and ready to dive into the void and into creation without having to know what that looks like. And those two parts are meeting. It is as if the mystery of you is now going to meet with a part of you that can become the mastery of you. So embrace this full moon and embrace what is going on now. I know it's so powerful for me as I am embarking on something that is exciting. Uh, the Rebel Road Tour will be launching in August where I'll be visiting 66 cities across the country and putting on a one-and-a-half-hour show depicting the journey of the soul. And this was an inspiration that came back in October to illustrate to people that we can just dive into a dream and allow it to be whatever it needs to be, and what we need will show up. And it will allow you to understand that we are now to let go of all of the excuses that we have to not live our dreams fully, which is why there could not be a better time to have the guest on that I have on, because the journey of the Rebel Road and the journey of you into stepping into your more powerful self, your more authentic self, has to do with the degree of attachment you have. And my guest, Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., has written an amazing, wonderful book entitled The Five Levels of Attachment. So you will gain awareness of how your attachments have created your reality and how your belief system has been making all the decisions in the story of your life. It will also help you see how you can create your identity based on the opinions and judgments of those around you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are. According to Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., when we believe in something so strongly that we lose our awareness of our authentic self within the stories and comments of our internal narrators, we are allowing our preconceptions to make the decisions for us. So as you join me on The Rebel Road, and you can find out more about that at therebelroad.com, 
I think you need to have a copy of this book, The Five Levels of Attachment, by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., so that you can understand this toxic wisdom for the modern world. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Miguel. Uh, thank you so much, Simran. It's my pleasure to be in your show. Thank you. Well, it's a wonderful book. It's a fabulous book because I think that we are at a time now where change is happening, whether we are willing to change or not. And so often, either we are being forced to look at our attachments or we are having to let go of things we've been so attached to or to truly step into life in its full power for us, we have to make the decision of releasing attachments. What brought you to the point of truly understanding how attachments were affecting you in your own life? Well, it's, uh, you can say that it began when I was 14 years old with my apprenticeship with my grandmother. Um, I come from a long lineage of Totec teachers, my father, my grandmother, my great-grandfather. And during my apprenticeship, my grandmother asked me a very pivotal question, which at the time I had no idea how to answer, which is, do I control knowledge or does knowledge control me? When she described to me the levels of attachment and how that is reflected in life, she, thought, she shared it with me in a language she understood, which is through Catholicism and Totec tradition, which is you know, the more unattached we are, the closer we are to God, and the more attached we are, uh, the more well, we're in hell. But to me, that didn't make much sense because I didn't really understood it. You know, as a, as a teenager, when we talked about culture and history and things like that, well, it belongs something in a textbook. As, as a kid, that's how we learned. And as life progressed, I began to engage life and, you know, and totally uh, domesticate myself with the beliefs around me. And, you know, I can have the juxtaposition of my family's tradition and my friends and the culture I liked. And then one day I saw it, what she was talking about, and my own attachments to what I know, which is, well, at the time, soccer. You know, I, I was so attached to my soccer teams that I began to really be, go into my reactions and began to dislike people just because they wore the wrong jersey. And one day, I saw it with complete awareness, and it had dawned on me that what my grandma was talking about, do I control knowledge or does knowledge control me? So when I'm so attached to this team, this belief, this idea that I can automatically dislike someone because of the shirts they're wearing, the automatic reaction of mine is knowledge controlling me. I have no say in what I believe in or who I like or not like because the idea and the agreement totally controls that. Like this person could be a great friend. I could be a person that could really make a change in my life. But all I could see was a jersey. All I could see was a rival. And I became aware of my grandmother said. So it's that moment in my life where you can say it's an aha moment or a moment of clarity where I was a, became aware how my a belief and a, a attachment could really create a wedge between the people in my life and the people all around me simply because there's an idea that we disagree on. And, of course, it, it was something as mundane as, and almost silly as soccer and I say that simply because in, in life there's other things that people really disagree with and automatically hate each other, like race and religion and politics, but to me it was like that. 
So now, you said a couple of things that I'd like to go back to, Miguel, and one of those things you said was beliefs are what domesticated you, and I found that to be a very powerful statement in the book. Talk a little bit about the, the concept of domestication and how beliefs do that, and is domestication a bad thing with the beliefs? Well, domestication you can see it in two ways, but in the way I use it in the book, it's a, it's a system of reward and punishment. Uh, the reward for living up to your expectations is acceptance. The punishment is rejection. So every time we get it right, we get the reward, which is acceptance. And every time we get it wrong, we get the rejection. And since we're emotional beings, that acceptance, that reward, feels like love. And the rejection is the opposite. So we're talking about conditional love. In order to, for me to be worthy of my own love or someone else's love, I have to live up to that expectation. So domestication in that essence is simply this mechanism that we use to model ourselves, but you can say that that motivator to make us create or move is a condition. So you can say that when we have an idea or a belief, which is the way we tend to educate ourselves, uh, and this idea, how we learn, our family, our friends, our ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, ex-everything, or friends in our life, you know, we, we, we share what we know. And in order for you to be worthy of my own love, well, you have to live up to my expectation of what that is. So we're teaching each other what is to be a part of the family. We're teaching each other how to be a good fan or a good student or a good uh, Democrat or, uh, or conservative or Republican or, or a spiritual person or whatever, we begin to use a belief not for what the belief is or what it stands for, but as this instrument by which I'm going to domesticate myself with. And that's where this, we begin to create distortion with knowledge. So when my and grandmother I, asked And you me, write a statement in the book, you write, what gives those attachments their strength is that conditional love. So as we learn that form of conditional love by those around us, mm -hmm. the beliefs that we apply to that, that actually strengthens the attachments that we have, and it becomes a cycle where we maintain that in our life until we decide to release those attachments. Yes, true. And, it's, and that's especially true on the, on the upper uh, levels of attachment, which is level four, uh, internalization, and level five, fanaticism. And those two in particular that domestication really rules strong because the, and fanaticism at level five, that domestication is so absolute that any idea that we could have in our life that might go against, we have to completely throw it out because in the system of reward and punishment at level five, the reward is still the same, love or conditional love, I should say. But the punishment for not living up to the expectation is incredibly dramatic, from anger to hate to prejudice to any form of racism to even death. You can say that it reaches a point where not living up to this expectation is really life-threatening. And the thing is that if we do that to ourselves, then we're doing it to someone else. So in level five, you can say that's the strength of that illusion of love. Because when we realize that we're doing this, that we've become so attached to the system, 
whether we're at level four or level five, we have a choice. And that grounding desire is unconditional enough, the acceptance of who I am. You could say that at level five, what takes us out of that loss of humanity is my life is worth something. And if my life is worth something, the life of someone else is worth something as well. So at the very basis, that very ground level, I accept life. I accept this is worth something. And from there, I can build up and begin to let go at that ground base. Seeing beyond our filters, our accumulated knowledge and beliefs does not always come naturally. We've spent years growing attached to them in various degrees, and they feel safe. Whatever we mm-hmm. become attached to can begin to shape our future experiences and limit our perception of what exists outside of our vocabulary. Like yeah. blinders on a horse, our attached beliefs limit our vision, and this mm-hmm. in turn limits our perceived direction in life. The stronger your level of attachment, the less you can see. This mm-hmm. is from the book, The Five Levels of Attachment, by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., and this is Toltec Wisdom for the Modern World. They call these attachments knowledge without ever questioning if the knowledge is necessarily true. It is time for you to evaluate your levels of attachment and what you're willing to release. You can find out more about this book, The Five Levels of Attachment, by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., at miguelruizjr.com. In addition, there is a Ruiz family reunion in Newport Beach, California, that will be taking place, and you can find out about that at miguelruiz.com. This will be an amazing event where you have all three of the Ruiz generations that are speaking on their work, on their books, in addition to Eva Larson. So this is a wonderful family tradition that allows you to really immerse yourself in this Toltec wisdom and have these three masters around you to guide you through something that feels very, very connected. Again, you can find out more about the five levels of attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. at miguelruizjr.com. We'll be right back with the five levels of attachment. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You 
are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Before we get back to our guests, I just want to invite you to definitely sign up for your free lifetime subscription to 1111 Magazine. This is a magazine that I create and gift freely to humanity, and it really shares some incredible wisdom from writers and teachers and leaders and change agents around the world. It is so beautiful in its imagery and its wording and is a space for creatives to allow their own voice to be expressed and experienced and shared across this planet. You can sign up for your free subscription at 1111mag.com. So definitely enjoy that. The current issue is up and is featuring Gabriel Bernstein and many others with a lot of amazing wisdom. And the next issue will be up in just a couple of weeks, so you don't want to miss out on that. My guest today is Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., and he's written The Five Levels of Attachment. This is Toltec Wisdom for the Modern World. And it's a guide to understanding how you've developed your belief structures and how to go about reevaluating or even severing these harmful attachments so that you can be your more authentic and powerful self. I love some of the words that were in here. And in particular, I'd like to share with you some of the translation that came from Don Miguel Ruiz's grandmother, the change moment that occurred for him. And that was when she asked, are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you? When you translate, you try to express words through what you already know, what you think is true. You do not hear me. You do not hear yourself. Imagine doing the same thing every single moment of your life. If you're looking through life and translating it as it goes along, you'll miss out on living. But if you learn to listen to life, you will always be able to express the words as they come. Your knowledge has to become a tool you will use to guide you through life, but that can also be put aside. Don't let knowledge translate everything you experience. Miguel, that that is such a powerful paragraph in the book, and it's right in the beginning and really sets the foundation for the rest of your writing to have wonderful understanding. And there's a key word in there, and that is listening to life. Talk a little bit about that and how someone begins to listen to life, allowing knowledge to be used as a tool rather than translating everything by that. Oh, sure. Well, with uh, with knowledge, the function of knowledge is to, for us to see and understand the world. You can say that knowledge allows us to comprehend the universe, comprehend how everything works, but even more important than that, help us understand one another because each one of us perceives the world as uniquely as who we are. But when we begin to get so attached to knowledge, we only believe what we perceive. We can say that how we describe what we perceive. You know, there's a famous expression, every uh, action speaks louder than words, but we use words to describe every action. That's the thing. When we describe every action, instead of perceiving life as is, we're paying our attention on that narration in our mind, which is expressed through knowledge. At that moment, when we believe the narration to be the truth, you can say that the experience that life is no, it's, we, our focal point no longer is there. So to listen to life, to be aware of life, is to see that life is truth. 
you can say that it's the, it's the things that we experience through from the moment we're born to the moment we pass away for, as this individual being that we are. We experience it, and we use words to share it, you know, to share it with you. For example, right now I'm using knowledge as an instrument to project onto you or to share with, with, with you and the listeners how I see the world, or at least how I understand the world. But the words are just simply this vehicle that allows me to share that. But the experience that I have is the truth, the experience of life, how life is, what life is, is wonderful. So you can say that knowledge can be a clean reflection of life when it's completely undistorted by our personal um, importance, our ego. You can describe it as level four, level five. When we let knowledge be clean, it describes life as is, without distortion, without the need to distort it, more importantly. And with that, we can begin to tune out the voices in our mind that describes everything, and we begin to be in that communion with life, to engage life as is. You know, for example, if you, were not, you and I were in the same room and I, I held your hand, the truth is the holding of the hand. But our mind begins to describe, well, why am I holding your hand? What does he mean? Is he trying to make a point? The mind begins to describe what's happening. And at one point, it stops thinking about the actual truth, which is the holding the hand in the moment that passed. But the mind completely starts narrating, explaining, and fixating on why it happened to the point where we're no longer paying attention to life. We're only paying attention to the sounds in our, in our own mind. And at that moment, we, if we become attached to that description, we become attached to that narration in our mind, then our attention is completely hooked. And you can say knowledge begins to dominate. And if we domestic, domesticate ourselves with that system of reward and punishment, then we begin to distort knowledge even more so, so that the experience stops being the truth and it's more about listening to what we're thinking about. But to experience life, all we have to do is breathe. All we have to do is laugh, live, interact with the people we, we love and have that communion because we're continuously living. You can say that the authentic self, we're always there. We're always the authentic self because the authentic self is just a word that describes me, life, this life force that gives life to this body. You can say awareness is like a flower. And if we use this example, at level one, authentic self, the flower is completely open. At level two, preference, the flower slowly closes, but when the moment has passed, we let go and, and the flower reopens. And you can say life is like that. Between level one and two, we engage and disengage, attach or detach, but at level three, identity, we, the flower closes even more, and when the moment passes, well, it's hard to let go, to open up again, because we begin to attach ourselves to this moment, to this idea, to this concept, especially because we are basing our identity in that idea or that knowledge. So let me back you up a little bit so that I make sure that the audience really got something that you said. Yeah. You said that it is the narration of a moment. It mm -hmm. actually gets us in trouble that we create the attachment to. And when I hear that, and I hear mm -hmm. that it's the narration of the moment, what I'm hearing is we make up a story. There's mm -hmm. a story that we make up, and we either let the story go or we grab hold of the story, 
And if we really grab hold of the story and start creating a lot of other narration, that's mm-hmm. what creates dysfunction in our life. That's what creates the chaos, and that's what takes us in a different direction so that we perhaps are creating something that we don't want. Yeah, yes, exactly, because what happens is that the important thing about the information we perceive is that we take action based on that information we perceive, and knowledge allows us to decipher and understand that. But when we become attached to that narration, to that story, to that explanation, then the more we attach ourselves, the more we distort what we perceive, and we take action based on that distortion. And that's where the chaos begins to happen, because when you can say that the mind, body, and soul is in harmony, when that voice in our mind is in harmony with ourselves, this life form, is when we allow ourselves to experience life as is, but more importantly, because we accept ourselves as for who we are. There's a balance in ourselves, that quiet mind that when you, for example, if you're doing yoga, you're totally getting to this moment where you're totally engaged in this moment, in this pose, and you the mind becomes so clear because you're totally experiencing that moment, that movement, that pose. But if we completely start describing what we're doing in our mind and going through each flow in each position, then we're no longer really living or experiencing that yoga flow. We're totally just attaching ourselves to the narration in our mind. Now the question here is, what is the truth, the actual experience or the narration we have of it? And you can say this is, uh, from this point, as simple as this might be, the more attached we get to it, it's really hard to see anything outside that narration. Because if I get so attached to that story, and I talk to someone else who's experienced yoga in their own unique way, and they tell me their way, then I start saying, uh-uh, no. No, that's not what happened to me. It might happen this way, and this is the right way. And it becomes this com- competition of who's right and who is wrong or who's going to impose their will onto someone else, and who's going to get subjugated. And this, as you can say, this is this, this harmony that we have when we're that attached. Whoever imposes his or her will onto someone else, and that other someone else gets subjugated, then according to what we know in domestication, that will be peace because someone won and someone lost. Or the other way around, you can have a conflict of two people imposing their wills onto one another, and instead of actually experiencing the experience of going through yoga and, and feeling that experience, we're competing against each other who is right or what the experience was. So you can say from that point of view, the, the distortion of this harmony really creates chaos. But if we allow ourselves to listen to one another, to listen to my, I listen to your experience and you listen to my experience and we listen to each other and understand that we're both describing to the best of our ability the experience we had with this yoga position, with this yoga flow, then we have something that's called harmony because we're listening to one another and we own the experience that we had, but we're able to listen to someone else's perception of it as well as I'm able to share my perception. And what I also got from you, Miguel, is that if we have created a story and gone into that story then all of a sudden the real moment, the present moment, has left because we're still in the past. We are still caught up in a moment that's already gone, so we're not even here. Yeah. Yeah, our our attention is not here. Our body is here. Life is here. Authentic self is here, but our awareness is completely closed off to it. 
you know, especially with level four and level five, you can, if you go back to that image of the flower, it completely closes off. And our perception of life is completely what our filters know. You can say that filters become our story or idea. And this is where not, we, knowledge begins to use us because knowledge, even when it's a clean reflection of life, is still dependent on agreement. The agreement between you and I or even with myself is still subjugated completely to the agreement of, of one another. But when we are in control of knowledge, then knowledge is simply an instrument we use to live life. Like if, if we can if envision our our belief system, our mind, and see it like a tool shed. And every single belief we have in our mind is an, a, a tool or an instrument in that tool shed. Then we will use that instrument at that moment of life that is required. And as soon as that moment is passed, we put that information back in, in, the, in the shed. We put it back in its place and we're ready for life for another moment. The beautiful thing about it is that for as long as I'm alive, every belief I have, just as much as this body, will be alive because I'm alive. And unlike this body, where, where it changes and evolves with life, a belief at the very root of it, there's an agreement. It's only alive because I'm saying yes to it. And if it's a negative thought in my head and I become aware of it, then I have the complete freedom to change my mind, to turn that yes into a no. And that's what's beautiful. My guest today is Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., and he is the author of The Five Levels of Attachment, Toltec Wisdom for the Modern World. In The Five Levels of Attachment, Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. explains how what we believe becomes intimately connected to our identity or who we think we are. This belief of what the truth is, in turn, creates all of our attachments and all of our emotional responses. We have all unwittingly made agreements about how we choose to live our lives and what we believe our personal truths are. But what we may not realize is that each one of these agreements represents an attachment, a limiting filter on who we think we are and what the future can hold. You can find out more about this wonderful book that is so timely at MiguelRuizJr.com, and you can also find out about the family events that are taking place at MiguelRuiz.com. There's an amazing family reunion in Newport Beach that is taking place where you can be in gathering with the with Don Miguel Ruiz, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., and uh, their, the the other son that, that is also present in this oh. work. And you will share in their wisdom and the books and the knowledge that they have. So definitely connect to both of those websites, MiguelRuizJr.com. And again, the name of the book is The Five Levels of Attachment. We'll be right back with Miguel Ruiz, Jr. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 
1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. We are having a great conversation with Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. on the five levels of attachment. And this is so powerful to me because we really do create sometimes these stories in our minds that, lead us in all kinds of directions. And when we get hooked on the stories, we end up in the past. Rather than being in that present moment of now, we start to perceive things, and all of a sudden the reality that we're living is not necessarily as connected to our authentic self or the power and presence that we have the ability to have. You can find out more at DonMiguelRuizJr.com and um, connect with this book and a lot of the other information that they have to share. Miguel, I had a quick question. When we think about knowledge and we think about attachment, we live in such a linear society and so many people right now are in their heads rather than in their hearts. When we look at attachment, is it strictly from the mental body or is attachment also from the heart space that has to be released? It really comes from that heart space because the in from the intellectual point of view uh, the ideas and thoughts really are subjugated to our yes if i say yes something will be created if i say no something won't be but our emotions are real our emotional feelings our heart you can say is is real we experience it so you know we we can say that with an attachment you know what what is an attachment is something when we try our best to make something that's not a part of ourselves into a part of us, you know, something that is foreign to put it as part of our body. And it's, we can see that with our status. We can see that with, the, you know, the style or clothes or beliefs that we have. But all of it is, is, is something that really is apart from who we are. But the more attached we become of it, you can say that, it defines who we are. It makes us comfortable. It makes us feel safe. And we become attached when we don't want to live life without it because we are afraid of what life would be without it. You can say that there's two examples in my life where I've seen it the most. Uh, one is the, the example of, uh, of my little girl. When, uh, when we moved from Arizona to Northern California, uh, she didn't know what moving was until the day we were moving, and we told her you have to say goodbye to uh, to the house, you have to say goodbye to the school, and she really got upset. She was like, "No, my school, my home, my toys," 
especially when she saw all the boxes and we had to ask her to say goodbye to her friends and she actually hid behind the principal then we actually have to offer her some ice cream for her to you know say well, okay let's go but if you see it from her point of view her whole world was changing or you can say ending she didn't know what was staying she didn't know what you know what that meant you know for her she's saying goodbye to the house she's saying goodbye to her school she's saying she doesn't even know if it was, she's saying goodbye to me and my wife and her brother and she's afraid of what that emptiness would be so she clung on to what she knew of course we moved and she went to a new house and she loved it and she made new friends but she really begins to say mine mine because at that point she knows that something can disappear and she doesn't want it to and then it reminds me to a second example, which is the trap of a, of a monkey trap. You know, a monkey grabs, goes into the trap, grabs the banana, and all the monkey has to do is let go of the banana so the hand can let, you can get it out of the hole. But at that moment, the banana is more important than his own freedom, so he's not going to let go. Mm. When we attach ourselves to these ideas, to these concepts, we are attaching ourselves to something that we really don't want it to shift, Especially if we've uh, based our self-worth on it. So you can say with domestication, the re- that's once again that reward, system of reward and punishment, if we're using this idea as this concept that allows us to give us validity in life, that gives us our sense of being or sense of who we are, the last thing, the worst thing that can happen is for things to change. If, if it changes, then what does that say about me? And the thing about life, that everything changes. You know, a country can be as solid as the people who believe in it. And, you know, for example, the Soviet Union existed for almost 80 years. And being from going to a superpower to perestroika coming in and changing. And, all, and the Soviet Union ceases to exist, but Russia lives in Chechnya and, and the Ukraine. But the people who lived through during that time are still here. Life continues even after that moment of awareness. But the thing about it is that even if something as solid as that, if someone changes their mind, then everything changes. And you can say with language, with knowledge, since it's subjugated to that agreement, that a definition of a word, if, if we, a word may mean something here in the United States, but go to, Canada, to go to United, to the United Kingdom or Australia, and, and, and this, its definition changes. You know, like there's the word fanny pack. Fanny pack here in the states refers to a little bag, and fanny refers to a cute way of saying butt. You know, uh, a woman's uh, a, a man's buttocks. But if you go to the UK, fanny doesn't mean that. Fanny is a very vulgar way of saying a woman's privates. So to say fanny pack in England is something very, very, very offensive. Same word, same spelling, same enunciation and pronunciation, but the meaning has changed, which means to every community that exists, the words, even if it's within the English language or Spanish or whatever, a community agrees on its definition and what it means. It could mean the same thing with love. Love if I say, I love you, some, someone would say, I love you back with no problem, but someone else would fear about it. Well, that's a serious commitment. Or someone would say, I love you, and like, no, you don't, know, you don't know what love means because you say it so freely. 
each one so of Miguel, us. Let me, let me stop one second. Let me stop you one second right there because I think that's a huge point that many people don't realize. I think that we think about attachment as always being something material or always being another person or a relationship. And to now broaden that view of attachment to also what words and meanings am I attached to, what expressions, what patterns, behaviors, cultural ideas, all of a sudden that means that we have to allow ourselves to open to releasing any connection or attachment to anything that we know mm-hmm. or consider to be real for us unless we know that it is true for us. And that's exactly it. When we look for truth uh, through knowledge, that truth is still subjugated to agreement. Even if it's a completely clean reflection, you can say, I can look to a, uh, an object called the book, I'm like you and I are not uh, physically next to each other, so I can't point to you. But if you and I were physically together, I can show you and point to this object that we call a book. But even then, since you and I are, like, have, know what a book looks like and, and because we've read it, then all I have to do is say the word, and both you and I have that image of what that book is. But that's still subjugated to agreement because I can say, well, no, that's a, that's a novel. No, that's a, that's a libro. And, and I start singing in Spanish. So the, sub, the object is still the same, but the agreement that we have of what word it means or to use, it changes from a community to community. Like, for example, I grew up in Southern California, and for me, a soda is like a 7-Up or Sprite or something like that, you know, a, a soft drink like that. Um, my wife's from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was at their party, and I said, can I can have some soda. And they're like, What? Yeah, can I have some soda? And I pointed to the, 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 the drink. Like, oh, you mean a pop? Oh, yeah, can I have a pop? Even though I'm pointing to it, the object is still the same, but the agreement is different. For, for me, I grew up thinking it's soda. For them, it's pop. But luckily, we were able to point to one another and like, oh, we have the agreement. We understand one another. So since then, I have the awareness that pop and soda or soda pop refers to the same thing, but depending on where I'm around, that's going to be important. The thing about it is that what makes it an instrument is that it allows us to understand one another. That's the beautiful thing about it. But when we become attached to it, then it stops, it stops us from listening to one another because we need it to be right. And when we mm. need it to be right, well, part of what we say is part of our identity. If I grew up in Southern California, and I really want that. No, no, this is soda, and I say it right, and I start judging my my family, my wife's family, and I'm trying to domesticate them to my belief of saying, "Hey, no, you got to say this as soda. This is soda." Then at that point, I'm I'm no longer using it as an instrument uh, by which we can understand one another. I'm so attached to its meaning that I need to impose onto my family that this word is, means that, and I'm creating conflict. I'm creating this war of definitions and agreements, especially if I'm really attached to the symbology or the, uh, of the image of a Southern Californian. Well, I'm a real Southern California, and it's soda. Then, of course, this harmony will exist. So, yes, we're used to attachment from material things, attachment to status, for example, and to people, but sometimes we forget that we also have an attachment to 
our belief, and sometimes it's that attachment that doesn't allow us to listen to one another. And instead of talking about the same thing, you know, and reaching an agreement between you and I to create a beautiful dream of us, we're we're complete conflict saying, I'm right, you're wrong, over what this drink is supposed to be called, soda or pop. Mm. Don Miguel Ruiz and his family call themselves Toltecs, not just because of their lineage, but because they are artists. Life Mm -hmm. is the canvas of our art, and the work of our tradition is to teach the life lessons that will help create the masterpiece. Toltec tradition is not a religion, but rather a way of life in which the great masterpiece of living in happiness and love, it embraces spirit while honoring the great many masters of all the world's traditions. The whole point of this work is to be happy, to enjoy life, and to enjoy the relationships with people that are loved most, starting with the self. The five levels of attachment go through level one, the authentic self, level two, preference, level three, identity, level four, internalization, and level five, fanaticism. And it is a guide to understanding how to develop, how you develop your belief structures, how to go about reevaluating or even severing these harmful attachments so that you can step into a more authentic experience of you. You can find out more about this book, The Five Levels of Attachment, by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. at donmiguelruizjr.com. And we'll be right back after these messages. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. A little bit of uh, brief updates on certain business before we get into the next segment. 
definitely check out the Rebel Road Tour. That is at therebelroad.com. You can find out all 66 cities in North America that we'll be visiting between August of 2013 and July 2014. It is going to be an amazing adventure and hopefully be an example for you to boldly leap into your own life, into your own dreams, and create exactly what you want. In addition, my new book is on, available as pre-order on Amazon right now. It is officially launching on May the 14th, and it is entitled Conversations with the Universe. So definitely get your copy of that. It is all about how to read your conversations with the universe and very much of my own story with the numbers 1111 and how I began to read this language to come up with the information for that book. You can find out more about that at conversationswiththeuniverse.com or at my regular website, simran-sing.com. And I want to correct the website that I mentioned for my guest today, The Five Levels of Attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. The website is miguelruizjr.com. That's miguelruizjr.com. Definitely check that out. Find out all that he's doing, the information about this book. And if you'd like to be part of the reunion in Newport Beach, California, go to miguelruiz.com and you'll find out information about that. Well, we're on to our last segment. The hour has passed so quickly. And... You used a word in the last segment and brought it up, and I have to bring it up in in this conversation, and the word was agreement. And your father's amazing work, The Four Agreements, one of the first books I ever read, and also um, the collaboration between your father and your brother, Don Jose, for the fifth agreement, brings about those agreements. And it seems like at least a couple of those connect to this work of on the level of attachments. And I would mm-hmm. think that, not taking something personally or not making assumptions is definitely related to the attachments. Mm-hmm. Do they interweave with this work of this book in some way uh, to support an individual to release attachments in a more easy way than, than we typically do? Well, the beautiful thing about an agreement and, and learning how to release and let go is that an agreement is the expression of our intent. You can say that when I say yes, something will be done. When I say no, something won't be done. So my yes and my no is the, the instruments by which I express my intent, which is life force. My life force, or we can call the authentic self. When I say yes, I'll be, I'll be I'm able to move this body. Like for example, right now, I am taking air into my diaphragm, slowly letting it out into the vocal cords in my trachea, in my throat, and the muscles in my mouth. I'm shaping that, that air to sound like a voice in English. Now, the thing about it is that I'm saying yes to this movement. I'm saying yes to this action. So when I say yes to something, something will be done. I'm using this life force, this moving this body to create something. When I say no, I'm not, I'm not going to use this force to create it. It's not going to happen. So you can say an agreement is me actively saying yes to something. In, uh, to something. Be either by me I'm going to take an action based on that agreement or I'm going to agree on an idea and then all of a sudden that idea has meaning because I'm saying yes. Like a word. A word is an empty symbol whose definition is subjugated to an, to an agreement, and I'm the one making that agreement. So when my dad says, be impeccable with the word, you can almost hear it be said in a different way. Be impeccable with my intent. Mm-hmm. Because the way the words 
that I use have meaning because I give them that meaning. I can say what definition I'm going to be using. If I'm using the word fanny and according to the United States or am I using the UK version, I have that choice. I know what I'm saying. I know what my words mean, and I'm manifesting it in that way. Like if we go outside this building right now, or your building, and you look at the street, you'll see the buildings that as a community, South Carolina created and said yes to. What we don't see are the buildings that South Carolina said no to. Just like here in California, the buildings I see is the buildings we as a community said yes to. What we don't see is the buildings we said no to. When we say yes to something, something will be done. And when we do it in the form of a community, the more yeses, so that path, the, the path of, uh, of manifestation only happens when this whole line of people say yes to something, something will be created. If some, along that path there's a no, that one thing won't be created. If we can understand that with how society works, then it actually also works in the same way in our mind. In my belief system, at the very root of it, of every single thought I have in my belief system or idea, there's a yes. There's nothing in my belief system that I said no. I may be saying yes to a negative or something, saying no to something, but there's nothing in my mind because I'm not using my energy to create that. So when I make an agreement, it's because I'm saying yes to it. But if I begin to domesticate myself and I'm using that, the, the agreements to domesticate myself with ideas, I can even turn the four agreements into the four conditions of my self-acceptance. All of a sudden, I can use my dad's teachings and distort it for my own personal importance or ego. I used to get the question, which, which one of the agreements was the toughest one, uh, being, uh, being impeccable with the word or taking things personal? And then I realized the reason why they're so difficult is because I'm trying to domesticate myself to those ideas. I've turned the four agreements into those four conditions, and if I don't live up to that agreement, then I'm going to judge myself. Like, for example, I can take something personal, and if I take it, then I can judge myself. Like, how can I call myself Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. if I'm taking this personally? Well, at that point, I've began to domesticate myself with this concept. But if I use it as an instrument, and I'm saying with complete awareness that I'm saying yes to this idea, to this agreement, then me not taking personal is not something I have to do. It's something I wanted to because at this moment I'm saying yes to it, and it becomes an instrument to manifest how I'm going to use this intent or this body to create that. So I want to, I want to thank you, Miguel, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I think your book is wonderful, and I urge my audience to go out and get it. I'd like to close out this show with some end paragraphs from your book that I found were truly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I would like to ask everyone in the audience to just sit back and relax, close your eyes, breathe, and just allow yourself to hear these words. Because I think these words, if you really allow yourself to take them in, they'll let you know that the things that you're attached to are not as truthful as these words are. For me, home is no longer a physical place. Home is me. It is everywhere my heart and love go. Wherever I am, that is where I call home. What better way to express our freedom than to let go of the wounds that have kept me oppressed? What better way to use my words than to say I forgive you? What better way to say I'm free than to say that I love another without fear? Enjoy this moment in life. 
the past is done, the future is coming, and the best way to say hello is by learning to say goodbye. I am love, and peace starts with me. I do not see the race, creed, religion, gender, or whatever else as a division of the human species. I do not see a belief that tears me away from my brother and sister. I do not see an ego, a personal importance that forbids me from communing with everyone in existence. The point of life is to love, and to do so is my choice. In that choice, I take action, and in that action, I am love. I have voice. I can use it to oppress, or I can use it to liberate. I can create, I can lead, and I can love. Together, we all can say, I love, because all we have and all we are is love. This is from the book, The Five Levels of Attachment, from Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. You can find out more at miguelruizjr.com. I invite you to do so. Next week, my guest is Ana Sofia, and we are talking about the divine feminine and the romance between lover and beloved, the soul and the spirit. Thank you so much, Miguel, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's an absolute pleasure to share your work with my audience. Well, thank you so much, Sita, and congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. I'm thank looking you. forward to reading it. <laughs> and get your copy of Conversations with the Universe at conversationswiththeuniverse.com. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.